The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, where we are working our fingers to the bone every single solitary week to bring you the best information and inspiration to start or grow your own real estate investing business. Speaking of business, got to get a little bit out of that, a little bit of that out of the way right now. The Real Estate Investors Association of Greater Cincinnati has its online November meeting tomorrow night, and good, good topics. It's um, six to seven. We've got five members who are going to be sharing how they did their first creative deal because. Lots of people are interested in creative deals and lots of people never pull the trigger on actually making a creative offer because it can be kind of scary. So these folks are going to share what theirs looked like and how they got through them despite also being scared and hopefully inspire you to up your creative offer game. At 7.15, the topic is uh, how to be a better real estate marketer. I'm going to be leading that meeting and talk talk about uh, just sort of some of the basics of how to develop a good message and put it in front of the right people so that you can spend less money and get more results on that marketing thing. It applies to every kind of marketing you might be doing, direct mail, Facebook, Google, you know, whatever, whatever it is you're doing. Uh, that meeting is open to the public. First time guests and members are, of course, free. Second time guests should probably just join if you're coming back for a second time. Uh, but if you don't want to join, there's a meeting fee. The uh, link is CincinnatiRia.com. That's C-I-N-C-I-N-N-A-T-I-R-E-I-A.com. And of course, it's online, so you can attend no matter where you're listening from. My guest today is Mark Dolfini, a.k.a. the Landlord Coach, although we're doing a campaign to try and get him to change that to Rental Housing Provider Coach, which I agree does not roll off the tongue quite as easily. Mark is a longtime property manager. He is also a, I, I want to get this right because you're not allowed to say ex-Marine, right? You have to say former Marine. I've got Yelled at one time. Well, <laughs> retired Marine. I, I got I got yelled at one time on the show for saying ex-Marine well, to a former yeah, Marine. Say, I'm, I'm no longer on payroll. He's no longer a Marine, <laughs> but he was. I'm no, no, I'm no longer. I'm no longer on payroll. Ah, no. I see. I see. So yes, thank so, you for your service. Marine, right. That's still 
Wolverine just no longer on their payroll. I see. I see. Okay. And uh, he was also one of the featured speaker at the immediate past 2021 OREA National Real Estate Summit, which a lot of you listeners came to. And it was good to see you. It was good to see your faces. I don't get to see your faces when I sit here looking at Mike and my mic. So it was really great of you to come. And we're already making plans for the 2022 uh, convention, which will also include Mark because he got such rave reviews at the 2021 convention. Uh, he's here today to talk us talk to us about something that is as much related to how happy you are with your life and business as it is to how much money you make in your life and your business because it's great to make a lot of money, but not if you don't then have time to do all the things that you set out to do when you got into real estate in the first place, like, you know, spend time with your family, go traveling if that's your thing, pursue your hobbies, have a, have a, have a, have a good life, not one where you're making lots of money, but working 80 hours a week to do it. So, Mark, I think the first thing we need to address is that is that is obviously an outlook that most real estate entrepreneurs don't think to have until they find themselves working 80 hours a week and go going, I'm miserable and I don't know why because I'm making all the money in the world. (laughs) So if we could talk a little bit about um, your your whole journey up to real estate and then also what made you take this path of, you know what, I don't care how much money it makes me, I'm not working that hard. Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a pretty, that's a pretty deep question. (laughs) I'm going to do my best to answer that quickly. But uh, first of all, Vina, how are you? Are you, are you well? Are you recovered from uh, a massive event that you post put on? I've had a roughly 120 hours of sleep in the last week so i think i'm i've finally <laughs> i think i'm finally yeah recovered good for you it, yeah good for was, you massively successful event it was a, it was a true pleasure to be part of it and just honored to be part of that next year coming up so i'm looking forward to that and what we're talking about intrinsically is what i refer to as the time wealthy advantage and that that whole concept of just having an advantage of having complete and total control over your calendar and having white space on your calendar to do things like you mentioned, you know, like like going and spending time with your family or, you know, um, or, or, you know, with your friends and doing the things that you want to do. But really, you know, I even say this in a somewhat tongue in cheek way, but as cool as it is to have a boat, it's not cool to have a boat that sits on a trailer in your driveway because you have no time to actually go use it. Mm-hmm. So this is really all the, the culmination and the end of my journey where, well, at least where my journey is now that I started when I got out of the Marine Corps, went to Purdue for a few, uh, few years to get a degree in accounting. And while I was there, I built a rental portfolio. Um, I got about a half, about a, uh, about a dozen rental properties, which is about a half million dollars worth of real estate. And, uh, now you say that's where where'd you get your education? It really wasn't Purdue. It was much as that's where my education really started because I did everything wrong and made about every mistake you can possibly make in the in the rental housing provider business. So you see what I did there, Vina. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I not not as a landlord, but but someone who's just really just was very very self employed. 
and uh, and really just didn't have have anything figured out. I, I made lots of different mistakes, and it was a very very difficult time for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you made a decision. Like yeah, you actually so... you actually decided that it wasn't going to be this way. But I'm guessing as you looked you looked around at your colleagues, you didn't see any of well, them that you could pattern what you wanted after. Yeah, it was it was it was tough. I mean, I was working um, like many many folks out there who have rental rental properties. They were I was working a job. I was working in the corporate corporate world, and then something happened that shook us all to the to the bone and that was 9/11 and i had grown up in new york and while i was <clears throat> i was very you know i hadn't lived there for a while but i had you know i grew up you know as a kid going down to this down to the city and seeing those buildings and they they meant something to me even though i didn't see them every day i mean we would go down there it was my favorite place to go it was my favorite landmark it's just inconceivable for me for those things to be to be knocked down and anybody who's familiar with the new york commute that's a commute that takes several hours just in one direction just to get going. And uh, <clears throat> when I found out, you know, that so many people died and so many people were leaving their homes very early in the morning and kissed their loved ones goodbye, and I was thinking, my gosh, I'm in, a, I'm in a job that I'm really not all that satisfied with. I was working in St. Louis at the time at the, uh, for, a, for the Marriott, and the Marriott's a wonderful company. I just wasn't very satisfied with it. So I decided, you know, I really want to go out and do this on my own and start to build a rental portfolio but what I ended up doing was ended up trading one unsatisfying job for another unsatisfying job, and I ended up working for a for a tyrant who was this horrible boss that had no uh, unreasonable expectations, and I could never take vacations. And that horrible boss was me. So um, once I started to shift and and started to realize that things had to get better, I I thought, well, maybe growing would help, and growing out of this problem would 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 be would be helpful. So I got stuck on stupid and just decided to keep growing, thinking I was going to grow out of this problem. And I went from 30 units to 50 units to where I topped out at 92 units. And and I literally did everything. I did everything from the leasing, the showing, the maintenance, the opening the mail, answering the phone, the filing evictions, going to court. And I mean, it was, if it sounds like madness, it's because it was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, again, there there are a lot of people who've been in real estate as long as you have who have been there. <laughs> and some of them are probably yelling at the radio right now, yes, that's me right now. <laughs> but most people, they don't, I mean, the E-Myth talks about this. They don't actually figure out how to fix it. They The decision they make is... I'm just going to shut down the company and sell my properties or I'm going to sell all of them except 10 because when I had 10, I was happy and now I'm not right. happy anymore. And right. you, right. you did something different than the usual, you know, I'm either going to, I'm either going to quit or I'm going to, um, you know, there's, there's all kinds of people, people have all kinds of solutions in their head about this. I'm just going to be a much better time management. I'm going to manage my time down to the 15 minute increments. And I'm, right. And I'm going, I'm going to need some software. <laughs> I'm going to get some software that's going to fix this for me. But you, you right. did, you did something else entirely. Well, well, and, and there's another option in there that <clears throat> is to turn it over to a property manager and, and having 
coached property managers and having been, you know, and I'm currently a property manager, I can tell you that many of them struggle. Many of them have the worst struggle because they not only have the residents and the vendors to deal with, but they have owners to deal with. Mm-hmm. So it's it's even more complex. But yeah, what I did, I, I I would love to say that it was a straight line up from there and it was all magical. But the recession, unfortunately, hit me particularly hard because I was not only over leveraged in time, I was over leveraged, you know, over leveraged in money, and uh, and things really fell apart for me when. My revenues went from sixty-five thousand dollars a month to about thirty thousand dollars a month, and that was month over month. So, what I did is, I um, unfortunately I I got sick, got pneumonia, and almost died in the hospital. And that's really where things really started to uh, they fell apart, but they fell apart in a really really good way. And I I really started to I came up with at that point in time what I call the VIP method, and that's the vision infrastructure process method that really helped me climb out of it. I didn't have it you know, written in doves flying across my window at that moment in time. But it was, uh, that, that's how it all kind of came into clarity at that point, in, at, the, at, that, at that time in my life. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and explore that whole vision and infrastructure concept so that maybe other people don't have to almost die of pneumonia to have that aha moment and say, oh, here's how I can fix it. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We're talking today to Mark Dolfini. If you have questions for Mark, you can call them in at 877-772-9658, or you can send them by email to askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Mark Dolfini, and we're talking about how to... Do the thing you already need to know that you already know that you need to do, which is make a plan and implement it and have some systems in place, but also the rewards of that, which is more time in your life. I think, Mark, before we continue on, we need to go to line two, Lisa, who's calling from Columbus. And the reason I thought we needed to go to her was because she's been hanging on the line literally since before the show began. But uh, apparently, no. Apparently she has she 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 she's lost her patience. Um, so you you start this thing with the idea of vision, and I think we need to explain what that means to you a little bit because sometimes people use vision as if it meant the same thing as goals. Like my vision for this yeah, week is I'm going to finish that turnover, and I don't think that's what you mean. <laughs> when you say it no it's a, it, it's a really great question because vision for me and and also vision for other people they they see that as a business vision and i don't i i actually separate the two i don't think vision and business vision are actually anywhere close to the same because in my world vision is specifically what you want to accomplish you know what does vina want what does mark want what does what does jim want what does what does sally want what what do you specifically want out of your life it has nothing to do with how you produce income. It has nothing to do with income generation. So when you get really clear about what it is that you want, then you use that system to reverse engineer and deliver that vision for you. So in the VIP method, the infrastructure and process piece is really the system. That's the system piece. But you know, if you have a vision, you know, let's say for argument's sake, you know, I, I do this in a lot of different RIA groups and landlord associations I travel around to. 
where <clears throat> I'll be mingling among the crowd and they'll, oh, you're the, you know, rental housing provider coach. I said, yeah, that's right, landlord <laughs> coach. And I say, okay. <laughs> and uh, they say, uh, oh, well, I mean, yeah, I really want to get into rental properties. I'm, I'm, well, what, are you, what are you trying to accomplish? I generally ask them. And they'll say, oh, well, I really want to get 100 rental properties. Oh, my. Which, by the way, it's always in increments of 25. I have no idea why. But, <laughs> you know, I want to get 100 rental properties, or I want to get 50 rental properties. Okay, all right. To which I'll reply, 99 wouldn't work for you? Well, I mean, 99 would work, but, you know. Well, how about 93? Would 93 work for you? Right? And what we'll do is I'll continue on down asking that same line of questions to 87 to 81 to until they finally realize that what they're doing is they're confusing the level the, or the number of rental properties. They're confusing the number of rental properties with the level of life output that they think that that's going to buy them. So when I, when I can really get really serious about what it is that they're trying to accomplish, when I say to them, what are you trying to accomplish? And they come back with an answer like, well, I really want $27,112.11. Okay, now you've thought that through. You really have given me some more thought in terms of, you know, you know what level of life output you're looking for, and you know what that's going to cost you each month to deliver that. So that's where I I feel like people, when they have a better understanding in terms of what it is that they're trying to accomplish, they can get much more um, much more purposeful about um, about the infrastructure and processes they're going to set up that's going to deliver that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, and, and it doesn't just apply to rental housing providers. It, it's I have the same discussion with wholesalers. Now, in an ideal world, how many properties would, be, would you be wholesaling every year? A hundred. Okay. So you understand that if you were to wholesale a hundred properties in the next 12 months, you would need to be supervising an entire team of people around you which would cost right. a lot of money, which would make you more of really a manager than it would a real estate investor. And there would be an right. awful lot of moving parts. And why did you land on a hundred? Well, I just, I know this other guy who's doing a hundred. Have you looked at his life? How, 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 how hard is he working? Because if you think about it, you, you could probably, do two deals a month all by yourself in like 30 hours a week and keep all the money. And well, I mean, the government's going to take some of it, but, uh, and marketing's going to take some of it. But, you know, if you were grossing, say, conservatively 20,000 a month and keeping 15 of that, would that make you happy? Yeah. Well, then why do you want to do a hundred? Why do you want to complicate your life like that? And I think some of, I think, I, I think some of that is just, um, it feels like I would be important and significant if I owned a hundred rental properties or if I right. did a hundred deals a year and, you know, people would look up to me and admire me. But one of the things you learn over time is not to get too deep into admiration for people who are making a lot of money and are miserable. Yeah. I heard this, uh, quote recently that, um, I thought it's so tr- as impressed with your crap as much as you are. <laughs> and when you have a hundred rental properties, I will tell you that that is a fairly complex organization. And the, the, the levels of complexity that have that go into that, because you're not just managing a hundred rent, hundred rental units, you're managing a hundred families 
and and the number of residents of that that comes with it, and also the number of vendors and and other support staff that have to go into that. So you're managing a very complex organization, not not massively complex. I mean, 100 is not that much, but this is also why property managers struggle because not only do they have the same things to manage, the the the, the dwellings, right, the number of units plus the residents plus the vendors, but they also have the owners that they have to manage. Mm-hmm. So that becomes a very massively complex organization and it and it always falls apart in one area and this is one of the things i hear all the time is when you have a dearth of infrastructure or a or lack of infrastructure lack of process it always shows up in one place and that's bad communication so whenever i hear of anybody complaining about a property manager well they just don't communicate well it's because they're you're working one person to death and they don't have enough infrastructure they don't have enough they don't have well-built processes they're not built out so as a result, they lot to rely on labor to get it all done. Well, when that person drops the ball or Quits. they get sick or call <laughs> in dead or whatever, you know, it's uh, that's when things fall apart. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I want to continue this part of the discussion, but first we should go to line one and talk to Russell, who's calling from Connecticut. Russell, welcome to Hi. Your Life Real Estate. Hi. How are you? Yes. So yeah. So my my question comes to that I hear a lot of people talking about how you know, they they got involved in t- um, creating teams and and um, and that and and um, getting and uh, being involved in programs that are running up to like twenty five grand and plus which is just to me just causes to cringe as one of my mentors would say it's they could have gotten a couple of properties with that amount <laughs> uh, what I guess my question is what 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 do you suggest somebody Particularly for somebody newer who may be on the call, um, that um, in creating in creating scale or, or develop you know, building out scale or infrastructure, as you had mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, without yeah, that's you know, a, blowing blowing the bank, basically. Yeah, that's that's a great question, and I really I'm really glad that you brought that up. Thank you. Because yeah, it's a fantastic question. The reason why I think that, if, especially as a newer investor. This is going to matter to you most because you should be underwriting your properties with that in mind. You should be underwriting your properties with the, the cost of infrastructure in mind, and it's rare that anybody does. So what they'll do is they do the, the typical underwriting of, oh, well, let me just put you know, 10% on CapEx, which they don't really know what CapEx is. They just heard it on uh, a on a on a podcast somewhere and thought that that's a good number. So I'll just throw that in there and I'll throw another, you know, percentage number, uh, for vacancy and then another couple percentage points in there for, for maintenance and so forth. But they really don't dive into the numbers in a granular way. And I, and I really think that's where a lot of people go wrong. If you, if the infrastructure does not cost that much. And, and I agree with you. I think, you know, some of, some of the, these programs that cost, Twenty-five or fifty thousand dollars. I'm, I'm, I, I can't say if that's a good value for people or not because I've not, I've never spent that much on one person, but I have spent hundreds of thousands on my education. But I will say that the the infrastructure and process piece that is all stuff that should be budgeted for, and it's not very. It doesn't need to be as expensive nor complex nor difficult to find out the pricing, but it does need to be baked in the cake when you're buying more properties. 
Yeah, in other, in other words, the, the, the reserves, as Vienna keeps talking about. We're talking about uh, reserves, well, reserves, reserves. Yeah. Well, reserves, I would say, is for when you're for keep keeping when when those six sigma events show up or known as tail events that show up in the world that you know like no one could have predicted covid no one could have predicted 911 no one could have predicted uh-huh. the things that happened right and, or the, the just the events that show up in um you know or the, or the mortgage crisis in 2008 these sorts of events that's really that that those reserves are going to keep you alive what I'm talking about specifically is the underwriting of your individual property when you buy them, okay? So when you're doing your cash flow analysis, you're, you're finding out what, what a good property management software system would take or what a, having a virtual assistant that would, you know, that is a U.S.-based virtual assistant that can handle phone calls, you know, in a timely manner for you so you're not the one answering the calls. And what, uh-huh. would, some, what would someone like that cost? And then you can start to bake that in the cake when you're starting to buy properties. And it's not nearly as expensive as most people think. Great. Thank you. Yeah, there's a key word, U.S.-based, <laughs> versus somewhere else. Got it. Right. Okay. Right. Well, and, and I say U.S.-based only because they, I don't want to rely on the infrastructure of a mm-hmm. country that I don't have any knowledge of or worry, I want to worry about. So, right. you know, U.S.-based someone that can answer a phone and is not going to be um, I'm not going to worry about them answering their phone or, or not being available well one of my residents who's living in my $200,000 investment is has got an inch of water in their living room right i don't want yeah. i don't want to worry about that sort of stuff so. okay okay so so all right uh, thank you mark you answered you answered the the question about where that budgeting doesn't go in your line items as you're as you're buying the next property and you know with the next property you're going to need to subscribe to some rental management software, right? You didn't say where it does go. Does it go into the purchase price of the property? How where does it go? Where where my analysis goes? What where when you you're saying you're saying, okay, I've gotten to the point where I need to add a piece of infrastructure, whether that's a a person or a, a software program or whatever, and you said you you bake that into your purchases. Where? Oh, okay, right, right. Yeah, so that's going to be that is going to be dictated ultimately by the purchase price of the property because I need to make sure that at whatever purchase price, you know, if the property is going to work at say one hundred and fifty thousand dollars as a, at a purchase price with infrastructure baked in my cash flow and it still cash flows at that price then that's where ultimately I bake it in the cake okay if it's not going to work at 150,000 based on the infrastructure then that the infrastructure that I need then I, I I don't buy it it's just as simple as that but I but I put that into my cash flow calculation when I make my offers got it got it okay well Russell thank you right. as always for your you're call. welcome all yeah, right great, yeah great question so yeah, great question. So I want I want to tie up the vision piece just so that people understand what you actually did. Right. With the vision piece, really specifically this is about what it is it you're trying to accomplish. So let's just say at a very basic level. I know a lot of people who want to be debt free. They want to be out of debt. They they or they don't want to work their job. Now I don't like having a negative thing as a vision. I would say, okay, I want to be I want to be self-employed, which I could say is, I mean, still a job, but you don't want to be working for someone else. I don't like to have a, you know, 
a, uh, a vision that says that's basically a negative sort of thing. That's like going to the grocery store with a list of all the things I don't want to buy. <laughs> so I, I don't, because if I, if I don't want bread, milk, or eggs, I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to go to a, a, a store with a list of that, right? So I want to say, okay, well, I want to be financially free or I want to be, uh, you know, I want to have my own business or whatever it is. But it's important that, you know, you when you define your vision, it's got to be vision really, really clear in terms of what it is you, you specifically want in your life. And, you know, for at a very basic level, let's just say that your vision is to lay on the beach for two months out of the year rubbing cocoa butter on your belly, right? That's a fine vision. Maybe not a good visual, but a fine vision. But that vision right there, now it, why that's important is because the next piece is your infrastructure. And your infrastructure piece comes next and why that comes next is because if you're going to develop an infrastructure that's going to return where you have to return emails and phone calls in a timely manner that's going to be a terrible experience for you while you're trying to lay on the beach rubbing cocoa butter on your belly Mm -hmm. so the vision piece is really specifically what what level of life output do you want and then the next piece when you're building that infrastructure out you're going to do that in alignment with your vision Mm-hmm. So the vision, the vision as you're describing it is there's going to be a piece in it that's about what you do for money, but it's not about what you do for money. It's about everything. It's about your life output, right? Specifically, what what is your life output? What are you looking to do? For example, you know, I want to have a close relationship with my bride, okay? And part of that vision to having close relationship with my bride, I have several goals that lead me to having a closer relationship with my bride. Now it's much more well-developed than that. I'm just giving it for a bullet point example here. So part of my goal is to have lunch with my bride every day. And I have a closer relationship with my, with my gal because she is, I mean, we've done more to build our relationship by having lunch for 45 minutes out of the day, having warmed up spaghetti and watching criminal minds reruns than any than anything else we ever could have done (laughs) right and these grand gestures of going away and having massive trips and whatever else it is Mm -hmm. so the goals are just the waypoints along the way to my vision and and that vision is very well defined in terms of what kind of relationship do i want to have with my with my spouse what kind of relationship do i want to have with my family and my friends and 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 so forth so that's 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 really really important for me in terms of identifying my vision in all aspects of my life. Okay, excellent. So we're going to take another quick break and then we're going to come back to the implementation and process part here. Uh, you're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones Cox. Mark Dolfini is my guest. We're talking about the process of building a business intentionally, so that you get the income you want, but also get the time that you want. If you have questions for Mark, you can call them in at 877-772-9658, or you can email them at askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, talking today to Mark Dolfini, now officially the rental housing provider coach. Now, if we can just get Mr. <laughs> Landlord to get on board with this whole, let's not use that like medieval term that. No, no longer in the vernacular. Right? <laughs> That's right. 
that would be, you know, absolutely awesome. But I, I don't think I don't think Jeffrey's moving off of that particular name after whatever. He's only had it for thirty five years. Yeah, thirty five, forty, something like that. Um, right. So, part one that we've, you know, kind of beaten to death here is know what you're trying to do ideally before you start doing it. Like you did it already having been an owner of rental properties, but it's even better if you can sit down as a new investor and go, here's what I would ideally like my life to look like in 10 years and my whole life, not just that I own a hundred rental properties, (laughs) but also the rest, the rest of that. And then the I in the VIP process is what? Right. That's the that's the infrastructure piece, and that's the bones of the business. So that's your desks, your chairs, your software, your your um, you know your phone system. And the phone system, by the way, is not the one that's in your pocket. Oh, there, yeah. This should be a phone system that actually acts like a phone system that someone else manages that that is not you. So, and that was one of my biggest problems is I had so I had such a dearth of infrastructure that <clears throat> there was. There was even even if I had help, there was no help. There was there was no place where I could bring these people to go. Like there was no there was no, you know, even if I had uh, a a a person to come help me, it's not like I could walk them into a room and say do work and then run away. I mean, I didn't have any processes defined, which is the P by the way of the VIP method. But the the infrastructure piece is not just the desk, the chairs, and the software, but it's also the asset class selection. And the asset class selection also has to be considered because you're going to be building an infrastructure that is that is that that's in alignment with that that um, that asset class. So, if you are if you have single family dwellings, if you have self storage units or parking garages or whatever it is, I don't it doesn't really matter. But you have to have an infrastructure that will that will be able to service that that asset class. What do you have? Mostly single-family dwellings. I mean, strictly residential. We, I have dabbled a little bit in in commercial, but generally, I stay. I, I know the residential side very, very well, and because I know it very well, my analysis does not take very long if I'm looking to buy a property. I can I can either look at the look at the deal or not look at the deal. Or I can look at the deal very quickly and just vote it up or down. I don't have to spend a lot of time. Analyzing it and see if it can make, seeing if it makes sense or seeing if it, even if it would fit within my infrastructure. So, are, were single family homes just something you stumbled into and then got good at, and so you're still doing it, or is it was it like an intentional choice? Um, it, it was intentional, but originally when I was buying the the single family dwellings, I was buying just whatever was for sale, not necessarily to, because it was a good investment. Um, in my particular market where I live in Lafayette, Indiana, it's, it, they are very, very stable. So I, it's an asset class that works really well for me. And that's just what's been able to deliver, you know, massive amounts of time well for me. Mm-hmm. So for other people, it might be different. It might be different. It's going to be different in every market. But for me, I, I was buying lower end stuff. And for me, that was just a, that was just a massive headache for me. So I started transitioning to higher end stuff, not, not super expensive, but higher end stuff, higher rents, which brought me far less drama and was much more easier to manage as well. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So the infrastructure piece, one of the one of the interesting things I see with new investors, um, and it's a small percentage, but it's significant enough that you would notice it, is they put the infrastructure in place before they put the vision in place or even like start to make offers like they have they've rented a downtown office space put (laughs) desks in it bought computers for staff they don't even have put in a complex phone system it's like it's like they feel better if they're if they're ready to get ready (laughs) instead of instead of kind of doing what i think most people and probably you did which is i start with the infrastructure i need and then as right. I need more, I add it. Right. I, I would. I, that's a great point that you're bringing up, Bina, that you want to build it like a Sudoku puzzle. You're not going to sit down and figure out the entire puzzle all at one time. You have to work on the piece that, that you need. And for most people, they're like, well, what do I need? Well, it's actually quite simple. Where does any information have to flow through you in order for something to happen? So... Many people, especially if they're if they're growing, if they have a growing business, I would consider that me personally, I consider that two separate businesses because you're attracting two separate people, right? If you're buying properties, that's a different client avatar that you're marketing to than people who you're trying to rent to. They're just two different avatar, two different marketing channels, two different. They're just to to me, they're just two different businesses. Mm -hmm. So I would want to build out the infrastructure and processes for both businesses, one for an acquisition company and one for a management company. But on both, you're going to, and I look at this in four different ways, every business has to have a marketing and lead gen piece, a sales piece, an operations piece, and an accounting piece. Those four pieces are going to be true for any business. Mm -hmm. So you don't need to go out and build out every possible thing you're going to need for both of those businesses. You're just going to, where does the information have to flow through me in order for something to happen? Mm-hmm. And when you start to consider it in that way, then you can say, okay, well, if information has to flow through me, this this I can't delegate or I can't give it to someone else right now. I can't eliminate it. I can't automate it. And I can't delegate it. So I'm just going to hold on to this for right now until, you know, okay, wait, wait, there's something over here I can either eliminate because it's not useful, it's not relevant, or I can automate it or I can delegate that piece to someone else. But those are the – and it has to be in that order, eliminate, automate, and delegate. And because delegation is the most expensive and the most also the the least consistent because there's a human component into it. Automation would be ideal, but not everything can be automated and obviously eliminate you want to eliminate any useful task just because you know, just because a task is being done doesn't make make it by default useful. Mm-hmm. So when I look at that in that in that manner and I have to constantly do this over and over and over, I have seven different businesses that I oversee between my, what I own, you know, what I own, I have several software companies I'm involved in, but I don't, I'm not the owner operator of seven different companies. That would be terrible. I would have no freedom. So as I'm looking at the, the pieces of infrastructure that I need from time to time, where does information have to flow through me in order for things to happen? And I'm constantly, constantly uh, aware of that. And, and are you aware of it because you would like, to go away? Are, are you, are you a because, bottleneck? Yeah, like where is the where am I the bottleneck is is generally the question I'm asking. But a lot of times I'm asking myself the question: sh- 
should should this be done by anyone? That's a great question in terms of eliminating. But is this also outside of my core competency? Like, is this something that I really that I have no business in doing? Because there's just stuff that I just don't enjoy doing. We all have that. We all have that stuff. And there's just stuff that I'm great at, which is teaching and coaching. Those are the couple things that I'm great at. And my wife will tell you there's many, many, many things I'm bad at. (laughs) She'll (laughs) happily tell you. Um, And I seem to can't wash the dishes without getting the entire kitchen wet. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what that's about. But I think I think they're clean. But. No, but the the things that I'm not good at are the things that just take too much time out of my day or things that are just exhausting for me. That's Those are the real litmus tests in terms of the things that I shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. So if I'm not teaching or coaching, then, you know, the administrative stuff and the emails and all the things that that precede and follow the teaching and coaching, that's pretty much the stuff that I'm not just not great at. So I have to look constantly and say, okay, who can I hand this off to or or what should what should be happening here rather than me doing it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay so finally the thing that i thought we were going to spend most of our time talking about but uh we're going to spend the least of our time talking about is the processes <laughs> themselves because right. that is where your wholesaling business or your rental property business or your retailing business actually crosses the line into being a business and not just being a job that you do uh, you, you were talking about the so marketing, sales, operations, and uh, uh, accounting. And in most people's organizational chart, if they were to really be honest and draw that out, every position is filled by them. Right. And that's not a business. That's a job. <laughs> so right. talk about processes in general and specifically what some of the processes that you implemented in your business that just took took you from I'm doing it all to hey look at this I've got time now yeah that that's that's a great question because once I built an infrastructure in place and I had some idea of processes because I, I I didn't really it was all in my head Every single thing was in my head, and just getting that out onto paper and saying, okay, well, when a person calls, what are they generally calling about, right? And you can start to put things in different buckets. And it's really not that difficult, but you have to start when you're building that infrastructure out and you start thinking about the processes. Again, where am I the bottleneck? Where does information have to flow through me? And the first thing that was crazy was – People were calling me and spending no less than 15 to 20 minutes on a leasing call. Now, I had 92 rental units, so I had just a certain amount of vacancies each each month. It was just, just baked in the cake. So I had, you know, if I was looking at roughly 5% vacancy, you know, I still had people that were calling me all the time. And they would call and ask the same 10 questions, generally the same 10 questions. So when I finally got... I'm like, wait a minute, they're asking the same 10 questions. Why can't I automate this? Why can't I have them call a phone number and put on there this recording that, hey, these are the 10 questions you're going to ask. I'm just going to put all this information out there. And all of a sudden, that's exactly that's exactly what I did. So I recorded it. And if they were interested, they press zero and the, and the call will be routed to me. And these people were vetted and ready to see the property. So that that little piece right there, which took me maybe an hour to put to put in place, bought me back probably 10 hours a week 
just sitting on the phone talking to people, listening to their to their discussions and asking me all the same questions that was in the ad. You know, where is it located? How, how much is the rent? What's the security deposit? I'm like, it's in the ad. How, how did you not know that? How many bedrooms are in this three-bedroom house? Yeah. We've... <laughs> right. I'm like, you, you figured out how to dial the phone number. How do you not? Never mind. No, it's okay. Uh-huh. Okay. So, so, so that... That, that right there just bought me back massive amounts of time. Yeah. And, and, and anybody who's listening who owns rental properties and did not write that down, you, you need to write it down because the, the systems where people can call you, hear a recorded message for, and you know, I don't want to make it 10 minutes long, but here, here two minutes. Yeah. And if they hang up before they're done, they're not that interested. And if they hang up after they're done, it's because they heard something that made them go, oh, I didn't realize the three-bedroom house had three bedrooms. I need four bedrooms. And that's right. good. I mean, I, I, you know, not not talking to people who are going to turn out to be non-quali- non-qualified after you speak to them for 15 minutes is good. That lets you talk to the people who do actually want the place and take the next step. Uh, so what were some right. of the, what were some of the other systems or are some of the other systems in your business that people might be like super interested in and able to implement pretty quickly? Yeah. Well, and to your point, I mean, cause that was probably the massive amount of time that was being wasted was just, just on that side of it, just on the, on the leasing side. So I was trying to direct people to a website that I had as, as quickly as I possibly can get them off the phone, get them on the website and try to automate it and streamline it through that direction. Um, but also, you know, you mentioned, you know, the three bedroom house thing, but also when is it available? I can't tell you how many times people call me now for a property and go, yeah, it's vacant now. Yeah. I'd like to move in in April. I'm <laughs> thinking I'm not going to hold it. Oh, well, we'll pay the deposit. I'm like, that's great. Are you going to pay rent for four months as well? <laughs> you know, six months. So, um, but those are the sorts of things that we would try to direct them to a website and your website does not have to be super like built out or anything like that. It just needs to be, have the basics where people can, especially when you're linking into your property management software. And that was probably the next piece that I got was the property management software. So people could see my syndicated listings on my website. Um, They could pay online through an online portal. They could uh, see what available rentals I had in real time. So if someone said, Hey, we're moving out in 30 days, the listing automatically gets uploaded with the photos already done. So you're not having to go and spend 30 minutes on a website uploading photos and, and all the things. I mean, that's already done in advance. Mm-hmm. So once I start getting, and I looked at property management software systems, now today there are so many different choices for property management software systems. But um, back then there was a lot fewer choices. But there's a lot of good choices out there for property management software, and that was probably one of the biggest and best things that I could have done for myself. Well, Mark, that was that was all great information. We are unfortunately out of time, so we're going to have to follow up on this conversation on a later show. But I appreciate your time. I'm really hoping some of our rental housing provider friends who are listening in took some good notes there, and um, looking forward to seeing seeing you at the National Real Estate Summit next year. You've been listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing.